Welcome to Community Coded, the ultimate podcast series for founders, VCs, and builders who master the art of community building. This podcast is brought to you by Threado, a community management platform that lets you drive more engagement, identify brand champions, and scale a thriving community with automated workflows and personalized messages. We're so proud to say that we serve fast-growing community-led startups like Notion, Mixpanel, Triple Whale, and more. What are you waiting for? Hit threader.com and up your community game. Now, let's talk about this podcast. Join us as we dive deep into the world of community building with some of the biggest names in the industry. Let's decode what it takes to build a thriving community. What's up, what's up, community builders? This is your host, Sharath. I am... Uh, I'm with a guest, which I'm like, kind of like, you know, excited to talk about a lot of things. This is very off topic and I've never covered uh, anything like this before on this podcast. So uh, I'm very excited and kind of like, you know, pumped up to like know and learn more about sobriety and, you know, how things work on the other side, which is, uh, which is like a tough, tough conversation to have with someone, uh, but yeah, thanks for tuning in to the Community Decoded podcast. Today, I have Brooke LeBlanc. Welcome to the show, Brooke. How are you feeling today? Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, that's I love that energy. Uh, for folks who don't know Brooke, so Brooke has been uh, recommended by Kyle Haggy from Morning Brew. You know, Kyle said very nice things about you. So I'm like, let's get Brooke on the podcast. Let's dive into more about like, you know, what she thinks about community building and whatnot. And here we are today uh, discussing a lot of things, about to discuss a lot of things about community building. And particularly, I'm interested in unpacking uh, the other side of like community building, which is not very tech-centric, right? Like it's not startups, it's not products. It's about real life. And I, I want to understand more about like how things work uh, you know, with Edge. But before we dive in, a brief intro of Brooke for people who don't know. Brooke is the founder of Edge. She's building a community and bringing people together who are fighting sobriety. You know, they they have this uh, problem faced, alcohol problem faced like for a long time and they're like, you know, uh, choosing wisely to make a, make a path in the next uh, years, so on and so forth. So I'm... Yeah, I'm very, very much, you know, pumped to talk to you, Brooke. But right off the bat, when did you fall in love with community? I, I want to understand, like, you know, what was, like, your first uh, interactions with the whole space? Did, did you have, like, I, I think I saw in, in your bio or in your Mirror article, if I'm not wrong, about you being part of a lot of clubs when you were in college. So... Talk to us about your first interactions with the community space. Yes. Oh, gosh. I've been a part of organizations all throughout high school, all throughout college. Um, and I see the power of bringing people together around a shared interest. Hmm. Um, and something that I've learned as now a leader in a space and bringing people together, um, it's really gratifying because you see how parts of yourself are expressed in the community. Um, and then it becomes, it's a part of you because you're the person who's in charge and bringing people together, but it's also, it has nothing to do with you because you're bringing people together for a greater purpose. Mm. Um, so it's been really quite an experience forming my own community and doing it, forming it with my own two hands, because, um, even just right now, our MVP is remote, but, mm. uh, some of the traits that are expressed in me and the content that I create online are in the people that I've attracted all the way from LA to uh, Frankfurt, Germany. And that's how wide our cohort oh. is right now. So we're across three different time zones or four, including mm. the Midwest. So it's really expansive and this is the earliest dates possible. So I'm excited to see how we continue to keep the ball rolling. And um, I see how uh, I can build a community where the value of a community to me is the depth of the one-to-one -one connection within right. a group. So how strong can these two people connect in this mm. broader group that I brought together? And are these relationships going to last beyond um, our time together? Because we're running month-to-month -month cohorts. 
Um, mm. And I'm also mixing um, in person too, if that's an option. So now we're out of COVID. Uh, some of our cohort is in New York here. So we're going to try right. to do a few meetups um, and that's going to help strengthen the relationships too. So it's mm. really, it's all about letting things be organic and letting people be attracted to the cause and the mission, but also mm. facilitating discussion and facilitating group meetups and making sure that uh, as the leader, everything is within community guidelines because we're building in a, in a relatively sensitive subject. Um, right. But also we're enabling people to have conversations that they can't have with most other people in their lives today, because as of today, right. sobriety is very stigmatized. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, it's also uh, something that's not being highlighted or spotlighted enough in the society, right? Like it's kind of like a stigma. If you, even these uh, AA, like, you know, organizations that they, they bring people together, these in-person, like, you know, round, roundup meetings, there is some sort of like a bad portrayal of them for some reason. I don't know. Uh, but so you've said that, you know, you've, first of all, congrats on the MVP launch. Uh, that, that, that must be like, a, like a good ride, you know, doing the launch type of things and interacting with people and whatnot. So congrats on that front. Uh, but let me ask you this, like, since it's such a sensitive subject and first of all, why sobriety? Like, do you, I, I know like a little bit of story that you, you shared in your article, but I want to hear from you directly why this particular topic versus all of the other like sensitive things that, that are going around the world. Like, is, do you have like a personal connection to sobriety? Of course I do. Um, that's one of the first pillars of qualification or credibility that I have in this space. And it's really important, mm. in my opinion. If you're going to be a builder in the space, you got to walk it like you talk it. Um, integrity as a leader is a core value. And for mm. me personally, I, I care a lot about um, connecting everything I say to my personal experience. And uh, so going back behind the scenes, three years ago, I decided to cut out drinking. And this was in the middle of COVID. Mm. Um, it didn't, at, so at the time I was 23 years old in a nightlife city, New York. Um, mm. And because of COVID, this was before vaccines and mm. you couldn't dine indoors. So you had to dine outdoors, but in the mm. Northeast of the US during COVID in the winter, it was 40 degrees. So people were in their furry jackets, like shivering, dining outdoors right. uh, with or without right. masks. So it was quite a, um, time to be alive here in the city yeah. to put it lightly because it was kind of bittersweet in a way um mm. because of how much the city rallied around the cause of helping helping people who needed the help um i know i donated to a lot of different gofundmes like there was just so much camaraderie mm. around the city because new york is such a resilient group of people yep. um yep. But essentially what I did is I decided, okay, there's no little to no opportunity cost to stop drinking in this moment. Why don't I stop? I waited mm. one year before I really shared about it online because I've always had a <clears throat> online presence, but I really never spoke about it as articulately as I had in that one essay after my one year of sobriety. Um, right. Something I don't talk about a lot was actually my one year date, October 4th, 2021. I shared mm. a screenshot that just said one year and I posted it and I put like a party emoji and that was it. No context. Right. And I shared right. it to my professional network and I was working in tech at the time. So it was a lot of people in tech and VC networks. And I had over a million impressions on that post, hundreds of DMs of other people telling me wow. don't, don't share my name, but I'm going through something similar. It was wild. And then after mm. a few weeks of all of reading all those messages, I kept because I really cared about responding to people. And this is community building 101 is doing things that don't scale. So I responded mm. to everyone and I would just send these paragraphs and I was like, okay, I got to I got to just write this up. So in one fell swoop, I wrote, I guess it's around six pages on mirror, a blog post um, mm. and it's on the blockchain. So I can never delete it. And I put some very personal details in there and just yes. kind of let it out online. Um, right. And that also has stood the test of time and I still have people bringing it up. I had someone mention it yesterday. So mm. write online because that stuff will, 
if, if it's meaningful, it will stay there um, and it, mm. it will continue to attract your audience if you're still in the early days of building community. Um, mm. Yeah, so back to your initial point, um, I think that that's the most important thing is to to be a leader. You have to be willing to be an outcast and be a black sheep in the room mm. and stand for something. And I, I really think that what makes me stand out as a person is that when it was unpopular, uncool, and it's still quite destigmatized, but it's gotten better over the past couple of years. Um, I just mm. stood for what I believed in and I still, I got backlash then, I still get backlash now and it doesn't really faze me because I believe in it. I believe in what it did for my life and what it's doing for everyone around me. And so I just really wanna be um, representative of this kind of new way of living. So more on the lifestyle side rather, rather than if you're seeking recovery, because that's not my lived experience. I really just mm -hmm. wanted to improve my life. And I think I have. And you have skin in the game, which is really important. You've gone through, you saw the others, both sides, like the side where you were like, you know, I, I, I read in, in the mirror article, you were pretty much drinking every, every single day before 20, before COVID, right? Like, so you saw the other side and you saw also the side where you kind of had that self-control, developed that self-control and stood an example for not just for you, your family or like, you know, the friends and basically like the whole society who are trying to do the same. Yeah. Talk to me about the emotions. Like it's a very difficult time in COVID. It's basically yeah. you, you must have not had that support from others. There should be uh, people around you cheering, rooting, like, you know, sharing the positive notes that you're doing great and whatnot, right? So you did something impossible in an impossible time, right? Like, uh, th th that's why I want to talk about those emotions that you went through and how are you communicating that and how are you empathizing those emotions with people who are actually you interacting on a, on a day-to-day basis for EDGE? Yes. Um, I like to say that, and this is just speculation, but just going off gut instinct and intuition, I had experienced depression and anxiety that summer before I quit, mm -hmm. quit drinking. Mm -hmm. And it could be due to so many different factors because my entire world was turned upside down during COVID. I had to move mm -hmm. back home. I left the city that I worked so hard. I graduated college. I moved up to New York. I got a big job. And I had to move back home because it was mm. very, very difficult to live in the city in the first couple of months during COVID. So I, that could have contributed to it. There were so many factors. I went through a breakup, lots of external factors involved, but I never got diagnosed. So that's why it's kind of speculation as to whether or not that was what I was going through. Um, mm. But I did have some mental health um, kind of mental health encounters. I wouldn't, I don't want to use the word problem because it wasn't a problem. It was a natural byproduct of what was going on at the time. And mm. so that was a piece. And what was interesting is that if I went to a doctor and said, I'm struggling, they would probably put me on an antidepressant or an SSRI and they right. wouldn't have told me don't drink, which is a depressant. And so mm. I'm really grateful of the fact that I was able to figure out that drinking was a huge proponent of that experience. It wasn't, it seems obvious in hindsight, just don't drink, but it doesn't Oof. because when you're 23 and I was in client entertainment, yeah. so a lot of my job was centered around drinking with clients and we were still doing it when we could dine outdoors in the city. So we were still doing it while I was mm. right before I got sober. So it was really this crazy narrative of my life of, okay, I live in a city where four out of five days of the week, you're drinking with your coworkers yeah. or on. It's normal. Friends. Yeah. And so it was like this pressure I had internally of like, I, when I figured out that summer that the right thing for me to do was to not drink inside, I felt like I had the confidence and the clarity that that's what I should do. But outside I couldn't see how I could have that identity and still show up to my job every day or have that identity and still mm. be in the relationship that I had or whatever whatever other circumstances. So it was really a clash of like trying to be myself in a world where I didn't know I could be. And 
that sounds like a, a story of an adolescent. I guess this was like mid twenties, early mid twenties, but it's like the true like teenage conflict of like trying to be yourself in a world where you can't be. And um, it was kind of like a movie arc, a story arc, if you look back. Um, right, but right. eventually the pressure got to be too great internally. It was like a pressure cooker. The water boiled over and I just said, I'm screw it. I'm going for it. Cleared the calendar for my first month. So I didn't have any social pressures and mm. um, just buckled down and really just wore sweatpants every day, worked from home and like just focused on what's most important to me. And I just worked, I grinded. And that was part of why I got into startups because I felt like I had to change other parts of my identity. And it just started it was like sobriety and deciding not to drink was the first domino reaction in my life. Mm. All the other dominoes to fall of making decisions mm. that are more aligned with who I am on the inside. Um, mm. So it, and now I'm grateful for the experience. And um, within six months of not drinking, all of my mental clarity and um, a lot of the depression kind of dissolved naturally because I just started processing more mm. things in my life and I had um, better sleep at night and all of the positive benefits of not drinking. So. Man, that's so amazing to hear, Brooke. I feel I'm so happy for you. Uh, and you've kind of like, like I said, the reason I'm stressing on this point is that during COVID, it's it's a lonely time, right? Like you, it's it's a very uh, tough time. The things happening around, and you've kind of resisted the urge to like consume alcohol in a tough time. So that's it's already hard, <laughs> and you made it like even. A harder choice which i think you know for the better betterment of your life and you know kudos to you for the resilience and uh and the power you showed uh and i think it's a testament for the rest of the folks who are joining edge so talk to me about edge so how did you end up you know after the viral uh post on social what what made you think like okay i have to like you know do this what what driven you to like build edge and what is like something that's pushing you to do more these days? Yes. Uh, after the one year post, I knew I had a voice in the space and I could make an impact and that I had to somehow at some point in time have my income in this space too. So wanted mm. to build a for profit company. Um, that was the seed that was planted and i've spent the past few years looking at the industry so i looked at the cpg space because the non-alcoholic adult beverage space has boomed there's over 700 drinks in this market mm. right now which is quite interesting um it's a because mm. it sounds very niche but uh and very specific of a market right. but it's not it's actually booming um mm. and they formed the a and b a um, association that regulates that go governing body and uh there's all sorts of infrastructure on the cpg side so i looked at that business model decided it was too complicated to build a product that's not necessarily where, where my background is at all either i've been in um, sales but tech sales so i'm pretty comfortable mm. with seeing things build at scale um i've been working with product teams directly. So getting customer feedback out in the field and then sending off to the product team and watching a ship week over week. And I mm -hmm. like that cadence and that speed and the ability to reach people um, all across the world. And mm -hmm. uh, through my social media and content creating, I was able to start doing that. So I really have continued to double down on different channels and getting out in mm -hmm. front of people. And that's the early days of the of the community that I've built. And then therefore now we're monetizing it. So with our mm -hmm. MVP, we're now launching a monetized product um, and it's a paid product. It's a community and coaching program. So mm -hmm. what's really interesting with this first group of people, um, it's all entrepreneurs and athletes, which happened very organically. I didn't pre-select anyone based on their background, um, nice. but it makes sense because I share a lot about entrepreneurship and running, <laughs> which is my sport right. of choice. So right. That, right. that's really cool how that shaped up. And um, everyone is a high performer and just wants mm. to either cut back or stay sober because they mm. want to keep diving into their goals. I asked everyone what their goal is for the end of the year and every single person had predefined their goal they knew what they were going after. It was something mm. incredibly ambitious and just like marathon. I mean, you name it, anything you can think right. of that's yeah. high achieving, check the box. Our group has it. 
They've right. done it or they're about to do it. And so what I really love is building this mastermind in a way of people um, and encouraging them to have conversations. And I'm also running one-on-one -on -one group coaching or separate of the, of the group coaching. I'm running one-on-ones and the one-on-ones is a space for us to dive deeper into very specific questions of how do you handle when a coworker hands you a drink or when your team flies back mm. to Napa, do you go to Napa? Do you let HR know how, what do you do on a date? Where do you suggest out in the city if a date wants to have a drink. I mean, there's some oh, practical yeah. questions that people want answers to. And from yeah. my lived experience, I can help guide them or I know enough people in the space now um, to yeah. guide them. That's, I never thought, because I, so first of all, I don't drink. Uh, I never like, you know, felt the urge or like saw the pleasure in like, you know, consuming alcohol. So I don't know like how it feels. But I I never encountered such uh, questions or such scenarios where, you know, you as a team are going to someplace and you have to do social drinking. And how do you respond? That's that's phenomenal. And it, it must be like a very important thing for people who go through this, right? Like for people like me, you know, it didn't mean. But for people who are going through it, it's very awkward, you know, or it's very important to handle that situation. So... I love what you're doing with this personal one-on-one -on -one. and by, by doing it. So you will also build a rapport with the person, right? You will get to know him or her and you kind of like, you know, train them and you kind of understand how they're, you know, also like molding themselves in these scenarios. So that's, that's phenomenal. And how much of these, uh, the one-on-one -on -one relationships help you build this community like the, there is like a mentorship or like a coaching program and this cohort program and this one-on-one -on -one. so what is the process of blending do you have like a way where they also talk to each other you know the, the community folks not involving you so what's your community building strategy looks like yeah so a lot of this we're going to learn by I guess trial and error <laughs> mm -hmm. because it's not all going to be mistakes. A lot of it is already going to be a win. Um, sure. I think as a community leader, you have to have humility and be yeah. willing to ask the community what they want. Like, don't be afraid of uh, having to have all the answers. Right. Uh, on our first group coaching call, I said, you know what? We need group chat energy. Let's put everyone in a chat. What do you prefer? I message WhatsApp, what works? And so because right. we have international people, we chose WhatsApp and now we have a WhatsApp of everyone in this cohort. And mm. that's that's gonna be invaluable because these are connections that I want everyone to form beyond the cohort. Mm. I want it to be real and genuine. There's mm. so many similarities and there's such a crazy overlap in Venn diagram of everyone. Um, mm. And then I also have within our Notion page, a community directory so everyone can have each other's yep. contact info beyond the program. And mm. that's going to expand. So they'll have access to the next cohort as well. So as right. we keep building, we'll keep rewarding the earliest people who bet on us and believe in us. Um, really making sure that we take care of people beyond their one month with us together. Um, mm. That's crucially important and a point that mm. I cannot stress enough, which is like reward your early believers. Um, right. as yeah, we, absolutely. Yeah. And, and bring them in on the process. So I also presented our six month vision of where we want to take mm. the company. And mm. once we're out of MVP, what does it look like? And what does the product look like? And uh, right. what do we stand for? And who are we for? And who are we not for? Um, in mm. sobriety, that was really important to me that I stress what I am qualified to do, what I'm not, and then what mm. our company stands for, what we don't. So people know exactly what they're getting themselves into and um, we're attracting exactly the right person that's a good fit for us because your community isn't gonna be for everyone. And so the more specific, or as mm. David Perel says, the more wonky you are mm. on social media, the better, the more, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the more yeah. very, very specific person you're gonna go after. That's how you're yeah. gonna win is you're, you're right. starting with one person, one ICP, one user. And all of your communications go out to that one person and then you build the community off of that. I love that. And I love the way you're actually dealing the whole thing from a, as a startup, right? Like it's not something that, you know, a lot, many people, they, they build communities and they don't envision like for a long time, they just like, kind of like, you know, 
sit together in, either on slack or whatsapp whatever it is that they host and they build uh they build on people but it's also essential to build a product for people because the product stays forever and people who stay on product like you know stays like you know forever so i love i love the way do you're you're tackling the problem with you know with the with the product's mindset which is you know which is very rare communities always are community itself is a product right and you're also like giving some additional value on top of like people meeting with each other so uh just want to put out there like you know you're you're doing like different things so uh one of the things you mentioned i feel like i don't know how much of an impact it is going to happen uh which is IRL versus online and mm-hmm. since it's such a such a sensitive niche you know topic right and how are you managing engagement for example people have different different sort of athletes they have different sort of goals and they are like high performers they have different ambitious goals to achieve so they have their own lives how are you engaging them on an online basis which is pretty tough for IRL they they be present like you know they have accountability and you know what not so how are you maintaining the accountability factor in the whatsapp group or uh in the community just in general for edge i think of it as it that all of that falls under your responsibility as a leader the engagement and the quality of the community is your responsibility mm-hmm. bar none it's not someone's responsibility to check in with the group um i mean that's great if someone else mm-hmm. takes the lead and then maybe i end up hiring them as like our community lead and then mm. that's you know win win for everyone but essentially it's all the leaders fault and responsibility of the success mm. or fail of engagement so right. something that i'm thinking through is with our whatsapp group i'm going to tag everyone who what weren't able to make it on the monday call and say hey the replay is up and that's a way where mm. oh. sorry my camera mm-hmm. messed up oh <laughs> sorry um just my camera just froze. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's so that's a way where it's it's a friendly nudge of hey, we want to make sure that you're getting the most value out of the program possible because they signed up for a reason. I want to it's it's not in my best interest for them to sign up and then never come to anything. Um but it's also not in theirs either because then they're not getting that quality time with their peer group. And mm-hmm. luckily because I think we priced it right. We priced it fairly for what we're offering, but then it's also kind of like an early bird pricing. Um so it makes right. sense um in terms of the value that we're offering and because people pay for the product, there's mm. true value on it and people have people who weren't able to make it on our first kickoff call let me know beforehand. And mm. I I really appreciated that because it's a way for us to constantly have this dialogue throughout their time with us. um so always keep the dialogue running it's the leader's responsibility bar none <laughs> and and um care care about the value you bring like i'm so obsessed with how much value can we offer to our members and i the biggest uh kind of dichotomy between IRL and URL is that i don't want to exclude our URL friends like our one mm. our our co our community members that are out in California or Germany I I just because we're having New York events I don't want them to feel isolated so if there's a way where I can kind of like share the pie and don't choose a favorite city or I'm not biased <laughs> like that that would be the best case scenario so thinking through um if for this cohort and beyond how do I take care of our early believers and in a way that's distributed and fair um and we're not choosing favorites cuz I I never want this to be leaning too heavy on the New York benefits and then our other city members don't feel like they're getting enough out of it so it's also about like the intangibles like making sure putting yourself in their shoes and saying if i was the member in arkansas do i get value the same way that the member in brooklyn new york does um so really caring about each individual member um and that we'll see how that scales over time i know that's a lot of work i'm sure we'll end up our first hire might have to be a community hire because yeah. it's it's a lot <laughs> and i like the way you are actually looking for the your next hire in the community because that's super smart right there because you don't have to educate them 
you don't have to train them they all know like what's going on internally in the community and it's just matter of fact just to onboard them like you know take the lead so and i i suggest highly suggest community builders to do the same your first hire or your next community hire is part of your community just like you know keep an eye on people who are completely active and doing going one extra mile doing like things that you do for for the community so uh i want to ask one thing which is slightly kind of personal uh to all the folks who are part of the community it's very tough to bring these conversations about sobriety they must have some memories that you know they bring back that bring back like you know some of the questions for example right it's it's a very uh emotional thing it's not like hey this is our product give us feedback there is no i mean there is some emotion but it, this is very personal like how do you handle people who are say for example uh they don't want to share right like they're very how to put it like introverty versus like extroverts right like they're here to like they're here for the brotherhood or their camaraderie with other people but they are like very uh like okay I, i'll sit in my corner but i'll observe and i'll participate in my own way and how do you bring and connect with the people who are like you know what pumped up let's do this high energized like you know folks how do you manage building that relationship with these set two set of folks yeah there so i think two things one thing one kind of like way to address that is you attract what you put out and i made sure that people know like this is a commitment this is a two way street and we welcome and we want your feedback as an early member because you you came to us for a reason you're signing up for a reason and we value your opinion actually i'm preparing a anonymous feedback uh type form so people mm. can continue to feel comfortable to share the things mm. that are working the things that aren't and then we'll pivot on the things that aren't and we'll, we'll incorporate that and right. something else too is even when i was designing the program someone who signed up i sent her the form and she said oh could you add this this and this and we did and i let her know right. i call that the superhuman way um superhuman <laughs> that email client yeah. what they do yeah. is they'll they'll the get feedback yeah they they're a great example of an operational excellence but they'll get feedback and they'll let that person know it could right. be like a 6 month gap between when someone puts feedback in to their system right. and then when they let them know but they'll say hey alexandra thank you for letting us know we should add dark mode we implemented that thanks for mm -hmm. the tip and so making sure people know their voice is heard um mm -hmm. and your act you're taking action against it that's the startup mindset that's invaluable mm -hmm. um so that's one piece of just you attract what you put out and we we said from the get go this is you know synchronous video calls um bring the energy we'll give it back and you get in what you put out um another piece too that helps is because of our sensitive subject of sobriety we gave everyone the option to join anonymously we said you can join video calls mm -hmm. audio or video camera off so audio only um right. you could change your name to an alias and um everything is everything shared is very confidential in the first place and we mm -hmm. said that uh you won't be in the community directory like there's there's a way where we could run the program where people can be anonymous and share their story or just be involved and hear other stories and no one wanted that because right. the product the the special sauce is that people want to connect on this subject mm -hmm. people don't right. want to hide in corners around this specific topic Um so that was really interesting. So I guess enabling people who are more introverted to have an option and have a way where they feel comfortable. Um mm. and I'm sure over the next couple of weeks we might have people join audio only and that's totally fine because they right. they they want what they want. Like let the people have what they want. And so I think as a leader just being adaptable and not mm. saying cameras have to be on or else. um cuz sometimes it's exhausting you've had a long day or you just want to like join yeah. while you're in the bathtub i don't know it doesn't right. matter what people's lives are <laughs> just <laughs> you know yeah. or you, maybe you have small children and you're feeding them dinner it doesn't matter so right. just let people adapt to your program and then they'll be more grateful because you're giving them free will um mm. it's it's a delicate balance between providing a structure and a container for people to connect and collaborate but also giving them a choice of what they want to opt into and opt out of depending on what their day or weeks look like. I think the biggest win for a community leader in my opinion, you know, especially 
folks like you who are dealing with such sensitive subject is to make comfortable make the committee members comfortable enough to like show up every single time you know on a day to day basis on a on a week to day basis i think that is like the biggest win forget about all these rules hate on your camera on you have to be present you don't have to do anything you have to focus on what we are doing we need utmost attention i think that's not the right way to build a community the right way to build a community is making people like feel comfortable wherever they are whatever they're doing like you know uh, and asking for a piece of them not the entire you know pie of them like just just a little bit of them so that it feels consistent and there is like a participation act you know uh, that goes on a day to day or week to day or frequent basis and i i think that's the right way i feel like you know i'm even like thinking about the things i do for for the community we're building at threado i think we have to let go of certain rules and we have to like it's fine you whatever you do it's fine like you know just come join us that's the most important thing right i feel that thanks for that tip i i'm i'm kind of like you know making a mental note in my head uh, about it uh so you you said you worked in in tech before in you've kind of probably saw there are different types of communities right there is a community of product which is completely product centric like superhuman for example there a commu- there is a community of either passion or a hobby david perel writing writers purely passionate about you know that and now i feel like you're dealing with community of purpose like i have a higher purpose i have i have to achieve certain goals in my life and doesn't matter no credentials what am i before doesn't matter but what i'm going to be is what matters the most right so what did you learn from all the other aspects of community building what i mentioned product community of product community of hobby or like passion and how are you implementing those practices in community of purpose which is edge oh my gosh i'll even layer on another aspect of that and when i was working in fintech mm-hmm. uh i got into crypto and mm-hmm. there were nft communities within crypto that was like community building 101 Um, right. I'm wearing one of the communities that I was part of for a while, uh, Boys Club, right. and um, Pool Suite, and all of these amazing organizations. Yeah, that, yeah, so so I'll even layer on another step, which is I saw groups go from four people. I mean, straight up, like Boys Club was like very very small at the start, um, and then they compounded exponentially because of that. It was fall 2021. They had their first in person event in New York. and right. i asked my friend who was in fintech with me i said what was that what was that room of a bunch of women at a crypto right. conference are you kidding so right. i think there's a couple elements to it that i've learned from all sorts of experiences um do something that feels different and is kind of lighthearted and funny and ironic um mm-hmm. and that's a part of the brand piece so for me like the 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 company is named edge uh we're we just reincorporated so we're edge health um mm. the reason why we're called edge is because of the straight edge movement of the late 80s early 90s when it was cool to be sober which was a counterculture movement um so i find a lot of inspiration from this kind of like hardcore punk scene and it's subversive and it's ironic and it's cool and it's people just partying and raging and having the time of their lives but with exes on their hands tattoos panties right. and they were going out and having an amazing time in Detroit and New York and all these cities um decades ago but the the movement is still alive today and so i just love that it's it flips drinking culture on its head and the assumption today in our culture is that to be cool you have to drink and it's like nah yeah. there's yeah. a whole another way you can right. do whatever you want and i think what our company and what i stand for as a person is that it's cool to be your authentic self um so i think our branding and our mission is super unique um and i've spent a lot of time researching and making sure that all of this is aligned um mm-hmm. all of what i put out as a person everything that um i stand for as the ceo of the company and delineating between the two and making sure that um myself as a leader i'm integrated with our belief system as a company and that mm-hmm. um right now we're writing 
uh, we're writing up a lot of work with our lawyer uh, to make sure that our mission is on paper and what we stand for is on paper. And there's certain things that we're looking at incorporating, like, uh, do we end up having a nonprofit arm one day? And then that's where we can support funds to the recovery side of sobriety because our for-profit company is only for the lifestyle side. So if you have a choice to stop drinking, so there's ways where, and that, that we might not even form a foundation for years from now and that's okay. So I think thinking two or three steps ahead is really crucial as a community builder, because if you want to build a company off of it, you better have your stuff figured out. You better be making these hard decisions now, um, be putting yourself in the position of a CEO of a company and not just a community builder. And then letting that be just having, having your group in a discord and then letting it die out slowly <laughs> or, or being dependent on a platform. So you never want to be too dependent on rails because if the platform goes down or if discord gets bought out by Slack, then what are you going to do? <laughs> or if it, it might be the other way around, we'll see. Um, so I think owning your audience, owning that relationship with your audience, being aligned as the leader of the company and everything you say and do, especially if you're a content creator, like I am, like I'm always posting content. And yep, so yep. luckily I, I am integrated with what I say and do, but if I wasn't, I might be in hot water because we're in <laughs> highly accountable days where you could be canceled. Um, yep. if you're not, if you're saying something that you don't believe in hmm. and then, um, just the strong branding piece. So back to our space, um, when you're asking someone or when you're enabling a space for someone to stop drinking and then they do, you're facilitating an identity shift. You're going from a drinker to a non-drinker and that's changing your identity. That is a huge undertaking and that changes Absolutely, everything yeah. about your life. And yeah. so to provide a space, to provide an identity for someone to adopt, to say, I'm a part of the Edge Health brand or I'm an Edge, that mm. is so powerful and people will never forget the people that have helped them shift identities. You will never forget it. And I've seen it when I when I wasn't a CEO of a company, when I was just a person, Brooke, <laughs> on, mm -hmm. at Brooke online sharing content. People never forgot that three years ago we had DMs back and forth and I helped them plant the seed that they went out and continued to choose to not drink. Mm -hmm. And they, I've, I've seen it. People have come to me about it. And so it's really, really meaningful for you as the founder of a brand and as a community to provide a space where people can adopt an identity. Like mm -hmm. I, th I get really inspired by streetwear too. And it's like, how do people feel inspired to wear the atom bomb from um, the hundred, the hundreds line? And it's because right, they right. identify so much with the culture and what they stand mm -hmm. for, the ethos, the mission. And so you just want to make sure that you've thought through kind of all the brand pillars too. Um, and give people a cause to believe in. Like I'm wearing a hoodie from a community I was a part of. I'm no longer a part of it. Um, I'm still a holder, <laughs> but I'm no longer a part of it. And it's just because one, it's quite a soft hoodie. So good for them, great merch. But two, right. <laughs> they, they built something I believe in and I still support. And so can people still support you even if they're not in it anymore? Like what is the legacy of what you're building? How strong is it? And so these are things that are um, hard to uh, measure their intangibles, but you can feel it as the leader and as someone who, I mean, you could also run user interviews and ask. So yeah. those are just yeah. my top tips off the top of my head. <laughs> no, that's amazing. I know I, I mean, you, you've covered so many things, merch for sure, identity for sure. Even like it's, it's not just about like, that's what I think the question is about. What are the principles that apply for community of product, hobby, and community of purpose. I feel like you kind of nailed down some of the important pieces that cover uh, for every community, right? Like, and I love the way you, you take pride in re representing a community, like the NFT, you know, merch you're wearing. And that's, that's, that's the thing that brings people together, right? You know, take in tech product and is nailed that part everybody craves for that merch because they want to be part of that community notion same thing like you know they're ambassadors they're simple stickers they 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 take pride in like you know displaying that i'm part of notions community and i feel that's that's the commonality between a stranger who never been part of a community and a community leader who wants to invite strangers to the community right that and that on those lines like when you welcome a community member 
it becomes stronger and stronger i love that uh who do you like look up to like where do you seek inspiration from and it's such a like i said it's such an emotional uh roller coaster right like you hear stories that nobody else would hear i don't know like even an, an ounce of the stories you've heard so since, since it's such a thing such a sensitive thing you must have go through like a lot of highs and a lot of lows so where do you seek inspiration and who do you look up to as a community leader in this space yes i look up to a lot of different people um someone who i was just celebrating um she just gotten to this really awesome grant program um her name's Lars and she runs a nonprofit called Half the Story and she's mm-hmm. helping um youth with digital health or so mm-hmm. helping youth with um staying healthy while maintaining this adopting this new world of digital products in their life so as we know um mental health has been a huge area of yeah. topic um not just that's been discussed a lot within within the G, Gen Z. Sorry, I'm like trying to form this within the Gen Z generation, and also with the coming generation. So Gen Alpha being iPad kids. That's yep, that's yep. like a funny thing online. And so she's really making sure that people are taking care of themselves um, at the youngest ages, and that we're she's she's looking at like law reform. She's built a nonprofit. She's gotten into a lot of really esteemed grant programs. Um, and I believe she came out of Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt has a lot of um, really, really mm. interesting mission and impact driven companies because the right. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and Bill Clinton um, works with Vanderbilt a lot. So mm. a lot of uh, grads from that school are people who I look up to as leaders in the space. Um, also, if you just go under, not that Forbes is the end all be all, but mm. if you go under Forbes 30 under 30 social impact, there's leaders all across the space and it's for profit. It's also nonprofit. Um, mm. Like there's a leader, her name's Ariella Safira. She launched a product called Real, and this is to destigmatize mental health and it's offering mental health services. And so mm. something that I like to think about with sobriety is that um, the way that we treated depression 10 years ago is the way that we're treating sobriety today. It's still stigmatized, but over the next 10 years, it's going to be a conversation that everyone is having and it can be more comfortable to have at a dinner table. Like right. today, if your friend came to a dinner and said, Hey bro, like I'm feeling depressed, you would talk about it. And that's okay. Yeah. You wouldn't say like lame, leave, <laughs> like get out of yeah. here. And yeah. so that's what's happening with sobriety is we're slowly chipping it away at the stigma and whatever the vehicle that we continue to build on top of um, is going to always serve that mission. And then on a personal note, I look up to people like Meghan Markle because she's she's um, a philanthropist and a humanitarian. And yeah. I always want to keep building and impact causes and incorporating this fresh technology, finding ways to get in front of people all over the world and believing that um, I don't have to wait until I've built a career in finance uh, for 45 years, retire and then start giving. I can right. make an impact now at my age and it doesn't matter um that i'm doing i'm starting from kind of not zero but i'm starting from a different position than i would be if i was building an impact and i was 45 and i had a cash reserve and um Mm -hmm. i really want people to feel empowered to use their voice online that's why i use social media so much as a creator um it's my way of getting in front of people putting my word out there and finding people who resonate um so don't wait if you have something that resonates with other people like go out there and do it and build it and just start and don't be afraid to be a beginner Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, you yourself are an inspiration, Brooke. So I, the last five minutes, I got like so many goosebumps when you mentioned about you know these leaders and why you look up to and why you are doing this in the first place. That itself is a massive inspiration. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And talk about the program Edge, right? Like how how are you designing it? What are what are some things that key pieces from a community building standpoint that you add to it? uh that bring people together again over and over again what what are some elements that for listeners who are also building programs what advice do you give uh from that standpoint yeah so a lot of this we're going to learn as we go from our august to our september cohort um because 
what what I care a lot about is interaction within the cohort. And then also, can we retain that magic with our next cohort and delineate between giving a lot of resources and value to our September cohort, but still keeping our August cohort in the same family. And um, it's there's going to be a lot of ways that we think through this to make sure that we're retaining the magic of our community. Um, Essentially, what we have right now is group coaching, one-on-one coaching, and then our async group chat. And those are the three pillars that we're starting with. And then we have kind of a home site. So right now I'm using Notion. We might switch off. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, to get more and more sophisticated because always be always be yeah. iterating, always be shipping. Um, so yeah. just, I love that mindset. I love that yeah. mindset. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of what we're starting with today. But if you talk to me in six months, I might have a very different answer for you. So that's a good thing, by the way, is just start yes. with what you have, do, do what you can, and then keep growing from there. Yeah. You, you, you exhibit a lot of founder mentality more than uh, a community builder mentality. You know, that is, that is a very big plus. Like I said, right. Community builders. I think this might bring a lot of controversy, which uh, not many community builders think like founders, but many founders think like community builders. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. community builders are so much focused on, you know, if they do the right thing, building a community in the right way, uh, they focus on just bringing the people. But sometimes they, they miss the long-term thinking uh, in terms of expanding or like, you know, blowing up. So. I might be completely wrong. People might throw stones at me <laughs> for this take, but <laughs> uh, no, this is this has been like you know you you have that founder mentality. The iterative mentality is very important because you don't have to wait to actually launch a community. You just go with what you know right now and iterate, iterate, iterate. So I love that. Uh, this has been a, like amazing conversation, Brooke. And anything before we wrap up. Do you want to share anything that you've learned recently with our audience listeners uh, before we wrap up the show? No, just thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to hear everyone's feedback from this episode and let us know what resonates with you most. Um, as you can imagine, I'm very active on social. My DMs are always open. Yes. So reach out um, at Brickleblanc or our company name is at Join Edge App and get on the wait list now because uh, we have all of this live online. So reach out. Awesome. Yeah, that's it, folks. That's a wrap for this episode. Thanks for tuning again. And man, you people like Brooke, we need more people like Brooke because they're intentional. They're committed. They want to like change from internally to external. You know, that's how you build a community. So thanks, Brooke, for coming on the show and like sharing the experiences you're going through. And I'm rooting for you guys. I'll be there to support uh, whenever you need. So and folks who are listening, support Edge. We need more uh, communities like that communities like companies like that so uh, on that note like you know cheers folks and stay tuned for the next episode thank you